Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. wonderful feeling in the air with Easter. I just love it. The whole community is just vibrating with zeal and enthusiasm for what this day celebrates and what it means for us as individuals. And the great thing about coming back to a holiday each year is that we can see it with fresh eyes and do a double take if necessary. Have any of you ever done a double take, something that you maybe have walked by a hundred times and never noticed something about it and something draws your attention to it? Yeah, I think we all have. Case in point, I live in Reston and we have all these hiking trails and walking trails. And so we walk a lot on the trails and many times I'll be just walking wrong, just minding my own business. And I, I realize, wait a minute, there is a deer six feet away just looking at me going, what is he doing? Why is he walking? Like, and it's, it's just like you do a double take, right? That's really kind of a cool thing when you discover, well, there's a deer. It's just right there. And it's, you know, and, and hi, Bambi, and don't eat my pansies. So there's, there's always the immediate follow-up So with that. Uh, you know, and it also happens in a different way as well, because uh, sometimes I'm walking along the path and I see people in front of me. And you might have had this experience too, not just in Reston, but wherever you happen to go hiking. And you see somebody jump 10 feet in the air without bending their knees. And you know instantly, there must be a snake, right? <laughs> you know, this, this happens. And that sort of thing, not the snake, but that sort of thing happened to me this year as I was considering what is in the Easter story that is stirred up for me this year? I mean, the reason why Scripture is sacred and why good and famous literature stands the test of time is because it invites the individual into a deeper connection with something profound, both in themselves and in the world. And this year, that was truly my experience with the resurrection stories. So let's just hear the story first. So T. Elam, one of our prayer chaplains, has volunteered to share with us the reading about the first Easter from the book of John, chapter 20. Welcome, T. Thank you, Reverend Russ. I'm going to read from John, and from John 1 through 10, it's the resurrection of Jesus. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, 
also went in, and ye saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their home. From John 11 to 18, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not touch me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these, he had said these things to her. Peace be with you in love. Thank you, T. There are probably an infinite number of ways that we could interpret this scripture. And today I want to focus on the person of Mary Magdalene. T shared two separate readings about the first Easter morning that same day. And in both of them, in the first section where the stone was rolled away, it was Mary who saw it first. And in the second reading, it was Mary who had the connection with the risen Christ. Double take. I've been reading this scripture for years, and yet I never quite connected the importance. Why was it her who had the experience of discerning and recognizing and realizing that Jesus had risen? What was special about her? And, you know, it's really interesting. All of the Gospels that record the Easter story agree, which is very rare for the Gospels, they agree she was first. Why is that? What have I been reading and seeing and not noticing all these years? And I was reminded of a line, a very short two lines rather, in the Gospel of Luke that might highlight for us why it was that Mary Magdalene was the first to know what had really happened. And here's this short passage. Soon afterward, he, being Jesus, 
went on through one town and village after another, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called the Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who ministered to them out of their own resources. What are we reading here? A couple things. What we are reading and what we are seeing is that there were women who had resources who were always a part of the Jesus movement and who probably didn't get the recognition they deserved. Ministering to him as opposed to only being ministered by him. Serving in relation together in this work of explaining and bringing about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom, as we understand it to be, is a consciousness of equity and inclusivity and welcome for everyone. Holding a vision that still to this day we are working to bring into the manifest realm. These were empowered women. Now it says that Mary had seven demons who were driven from her. She was cured. So what is a demon? Let's look at what this might be symbolically. Have any of you ever felt demonized by a thought or a belief or an attitude that keeps running around your mind? Yes, am I the only one? No, a couple of us. All right, so four of us. All right, great. I'm going to call that enough. Our greatest enemy is always within. So I'm curious if quite possibly through the ministry of Jesus, this, this ministry where he affirmed for everyone, you are beautiful, you are powerful, you matter, regardless of who you happen to be or regardless of what anybody ever told you to believe about yourself, maybe it was in that experience that she realized, I've known this all along. I am not second class. I am not less than. I am a part of this kingdom, and I've known it all along. It could be like this. And so she found a teacher who was going around the world saying the same thing. She's like, this is what I've been looking for. I will minister to this. I will be a part of this, and I will free myself from these demonic, in quotes, ideas of less than, not good enough, something wrong. So I gave the matter some thought. I took it into prayer. I was like, well, what was going on with her? What sort of ideas might she have? And I really came up with three different areas where maybe she needed to be cured or healed. And you might resonate with some of these yourself. And I've already mentioned the first one. Beliefs about ourselves. Or maybe a belief she might have had about herself. I don't know if you've ever felt like a square peg in a round hole. If you've ever felt like, I see the world differently from other people around me, a world where maybe you just were kind of like the odd person out because you were just being you. I'm not going to be a lemming. And sometimes when that's the case, when you realize your own specialness, but the world does not, 
then you take it in and realize, oh, maybe there is something wrong with me. Think about like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I keep hearing the roof expanding. I keep thinking there's reindeer up there. And I thought, no, that's, no, that's later. That's not, and we just did that. You know, the, the reindeer made fun of Rudolph because of his nose, but that's what made him special. Maybe there's something about Mary, and she said, I'm special. I'm not crazy. And along comes this master teacher, this wisdom teacher says, no, you're not crazy at all. You are absolutely beautiful in what the world needs just exactly as you are in that moment. What a healing is that. Can I get an amen? Amen. And maybe there were some beliefs she had about the world. You know, when, when Jesus went around and ministered, he would minister really to anybody. I mean, he didn't care. If you have a need, great, let's heal the need. He also didn't mind calling out people for being hypocrites either. More than anything else in the scriptures, you see Jesus calling out hypocrites left, right, and center. But not in the point for, to punish them, but rather to highlight, wait a minute, you're out of alignment. I want you to be back in alignment. So maybe Mary had developed some beliefs about the world that she didn't, had to reconcile somehow. Maybe the belief that, you know, only the rich get richer or the world's not a fair place. There's no justice. And along comes Jesus who says, wait a minute. There are divine ideas. There is the greatest power in the universe, which is love, which will always overcome. Be strong. No, everybody is not out to get you. Open your heart. Make peace with the others. You know, in this world uh, Jesus lived in, there was a lot of discrimination against this group and that group and this group and who's in and who's out, who's clean, who's not clean. Jesus says, throw all that aside. We're all in this together. We're still doing that work. But we do it from a point of view of consciousness. Yeah, that's right. We are all in this together. That's the great vision we're going to work for. So maybe the, one of the demons or some of the demons that were cast out of or transformed in her were about the world and her place in it. And lastly, maybe, maybe some of the ideas that she had healed and transformed through the teaching of her wisdom teacher, Rabunai, Rabbi, we're about God. We're about divinity. You know, she may have been taught somewhere along the line that God is an old man up in the sky with a big beard and a big voice and a big finger pointing at you and all the sins and things you do, and I'm going to get you. And maybe... She had been brought up and learned an idea to be afraid of God, to be afraid of divinity, rather than respect divinity. Maybe she didn't learn that God isn't loving, but God is love itself. Maybe her ideas about divinity were changed when she met someone who said something like, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, meaning 
If you've seen somebody who is being loving and generous and kind in the world, you have seen God. You know, I sometimes hear people say, well, where is God when this natural disaster happened or that thing happened? And the answer is always, look for the helpers. They show up and they look exactly like you. Maybe she learned through her master teacher. Or maybe it was reaffirmed something she already knew, but nobody else was talking about. That the nature of God is altogether good seeking to promote and support people in the fullness of their lives rather than catch them up and punish them for all eternity. These are the same transformative ideas I learned when I came to unity. And they have changed my life. You know, and I love this idea of seven. She was cured of seven demons. So when we teach Bible metaphysics, just to do a little metaphysical lesson here. Seven is a number that represents completion in the physical realm. Think of seven days of the week. Lucky number seven, that sort of thing. So she was, the story is telling us, completely healed of these false and erroneous beliefs. They were cured and transformed. And I thought about how amazing. So, of course, she was the one who was most transformed through the ministry of Jesus. She was the one, and along with some of the other women, who didn't run when the Romans came. She was the one who stayed standfast and said that whatever happens, we're going to do the right thing. I'm going to that tomb in the morning to do what's right. She was the one who identified the risen Christ, who came to the realization that, yes, all things are possible for those who believe. She came to realize that the word impossible is really a, a contraction of the phrase, I am possible. She realized that as he said all along, greater things than these you shall do. It's Mary who brings us Easter. Her witness, her testimony, her realization it's you. It's true. Many of us go through trials and tribulations through our lives as well. And I know many of you have been through literally life-threatening situations. And you're all here. Somehow, some way, you got through Good Friday. And there might be another Good Friday in your future. I hope not, but it could happen. But what Mary's witness of the Jesus experience tells us that we will all get to Easter and have that experience. Not that any of us wants to go through anything. But when love and wisdom and serenity, as were the topics of our meditation, become integrated into our practice. The seeming impossible is made real. So I want to conclude my comments today with my favorite Easter reading of all time that speaks to this idea, what would happen, what is happening now as we are integrating the same consciousness demonstrated by Mary Magdalene. 
how would things be different? How would the world be different? How would we be different? And this is a reading written by Reverend Victoria Weinstein, and it's called Being the Resurrection. She says, The stone has got to be rolled back from the tomb again and again. Every year, roll up your sleeves. He's not coming back, you know. He's not coming back unless it is we who rise for him. We who lay healing hands on the reviled and the rejected, just as he did on his behalf. We who rage for righteousness in his insistent voice. We who love the sinner, even knowing that the sinner is no farther off than our own heartbeat. He will not be back to join us at the table to share God's extravagant banquet, God's love feast. All are welcome. Come as you are. And so it is you and I who must feast for him, must say the grace and break the bread and pass it to the left and dish up the broiled fish or pour the wine and pass it to the right and treat each one so tenderly as though just this morning she or he made the personal effort to make it back from heaven or from hell, but certainly from death, to be by our side. Because if by some miracle, why not a miracle? He did come back. Wouldn't he want to see us like this? Wouldn't it be a miracle to live just one day so that if he did by some amazing feat, come riding into town, he could take a look around and say, this is what I meant. We could say, it took us a long time, but we finally figured it out. Let us live to make it so. Because you, and I, and all of us, are the resurrection and the life. Such powerful words. You know, there were serious issues in Jesus' time that affected the culture and that affected the minds and the hearts of the individuals in his direct immediate ministry. The same is true now. But that doesn't stop the work or our commitment to co-creating a world that works for everyone. Because whether we're speaking about ourselves and our own lives or the collective life we all share, the stone is indeed heavy. But we do have the power to roll it away. Because we are that power. So let's get busy. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.